Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. What are you guys doing today? Come on, let's give it up for Jesus one more time. We are so excited that you guys are here and we're going to jump straight into the second part of our What's Next series. Turn your neighbor and say, What's Next? Come on, say it like you believe it. What's next? Say it like you've had six espressos this morning. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, what's next? Okay. It's like we are excited. You guys, let me ask you guys how many guys have ever done something or said something to someone and you felt like an absolute fool? Anybody ever, like, just foot in mouth? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever done that before? Have you guys ever noticed how, like, 20 years later, You can still think about it and be like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Like, do any of you guys still get like that gut-wrenching feeling? Like, I can't believe I did. Like, it almost makes you sick, right? You're like, man. And like, they probably don't even remember it. Whoever was involved, but you're just like, I cannot believe I said that thing. And so many of us will do that. Or you made a mistake and, and all of a sudden, eight years later, like it just replays in your head. It'll keep you up at night. You're like, man, and we've all been in that space or uh, we find ourselves just constantly replaying things in our, in our minds. And has anybody ever noticed how hard it is to let things go? Like how hard it is to genuinely just let, let it go. And I've noticed there's two different parties that it gets really hard to forgive. It's really hard to forgive other people for what they've done to us. And sometimes it's really hard to forgive ourselves for the stupid things we've done. Right? Only seven of us nodded our head with that. Okay, the rest of y'all never done anything. Okay, that's what I thought. Right? Everyone's like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely there. I just didn't want to agree. So so what I want to look at for a second is why is it so hard to get free? Why is it so hard to get free of the things we're dealing with? And, and I kind of want to give you four areas real quick as we're coming out of the gate with this. Just four things uh, that make freedom hard because these are just areas of our life. These aren't in your notes, but I wanted to give them to you anyways. Uh, the first thing that makes letting it go hard is the trauma we've experienced. The things that you've gone through in your life, the trauma that you've experienced, that's hard to let go of. Am I right? Some of you, you may have gone through, and, and I don't mean to speak lightly of this, but you may have gone through abuse or, or very significant pain. And hear me, that trauma is very hard to let go of. The, the next thing is the environment, right, that we're in. How many of you have noticed that maybe it wasn't hard to, uh, the trauma may not have been significant, but you stayed in this environment that over time just wore you down of your faith or your hope. And so we, so for some of us, it's this environment that we've been raised in. For some of you, whether you're in the room, some of you that are online with us right now, here's something that you've dealt with. It's not that anyone's ever told you you couldn't do something, but because your grandmother was this way, your mother was this way, you just believed you're going to be this way. Because your grandfather was this way and your father was this way, you've just accepted that you have to be this way. Because my grandpa was an alcoholic and my dad was an alcoholic, I just have to be an alcoholic. Because my grandma was poor, my mom was poor, I'm just going to be poor. And sometimes the environments we're in create things in our mind that aren't necessarily even true. And we'll get there in a second. Next is the relationships we're surrounded by. 
How many of you know sometimes the thing that holds us captive the most is the people we keep putting us around, putting ourselves around? Like, how many of you ever made a decision, I'm going to do this, I'm going to become this, I'm going to pursue this, and then as you're doing it, it only takes about a week or two before the people that you surround yourself with subconsciously or intentionally convince you that you'll never be that. And so that's hard. And then lastly, the shame we feel from everything in our life. How many have ever tried to pursue freedom, but the shame of what you've done follows you like a bad memory? And it seems to just sit over your shoulder. So the minute you try to do something better, the minute you go to God, the minute you try to pursue something different, that shame creeps in and it convinces you to stay where you are rather than pursuing where God wants you to be. And so here we find ourselves in this, and and I believe many have been led to believe that our freedom from issues is going to be some sort of instantaneous delivery. So so here's what I believe some of us are thinking, is that that we're going to come to God. How many of you have ever brought God something and said, I don't want this anymore? Anybody ever tried to give something to God like, hey, I just need you to help me through this. I don't want this anymore. And here's what many of us believe. We believe we come to God, and as we've come to God, we're going, all right, God, I want to give this to you. And then we go, I'm giving it to you, and we walk away. But how many of you know that sometimes there's a string attached to it, and it follows us? Anybody ever looked up before and been like, I still got that bitterness problem? Anybody ever seen the person you thought you forgave in the store? Like, oh, they can still catch these hands. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Rated E for everybody. Just, you know, whatever. Like, so so I, I believe that oftentimes we find ourselves in a position where we thought we let things go. But here's, the, here's what I also believe the enemy has done in our life. The enemy has convinced us that because God didn't do it instantly, he's not doing it at all. And I believe in church circles, we've made this very dangerous mentality even worse. Come to the altar, get rid of it. And once you've gotten rid of it, if you deal with it again, it's your fault. But what if that's not necessarily true? What if it's not instantaneous? I would even dare to say this. I believe the normal process in which we get rid of things in our life is not instantaneous, but a process. And we'll talk about that because here's the deal. We have our past. Anybody got a past? Anybody got some stuff you'd like to forget about? Anybody got some stuff you'd like to just disappear from back there? See, our past leads us to the pain that we can't get past. And the pain that we can't get past leads us to an identity problem that we can't deal with. Essentially, here's what some of us understand. Because I can't get rid of this, I must be the problem. And it makes it very hard to stand in front of a holy and righteous and amazing God feeling like we're a constant problem. And so what do we do? We've got to deal with that. And and I know even for me, I grew up in church. So to shed some light on this for you, I I grew up in church. And uh, at about 10 years old, I went through an amount of church hurt and church trauma dealing with church people. Um, that quite frankly, if I shared all the stories with you, you would probably shake your head in disbelief. The worst hurt that I've ever experienced were from people with crosses around their neck. And as I dealt with that pain and that trauma, uh, I just decided if this is what church is, I'm out. And I did. I left the church for about five years. 
And in that time, I made some of the dumbest decisions you could possibly make. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I get outside the church walls and start wiling out. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, making sure we're all on the same page for a second. And so here's one thing I've noticed, though. I became someone that God never wanted me to be. I was holding God accountable for people. And some of that hurt caused me to do some stupid things. But here's what I've noticed also, is sometimes we let our trauma give us excuses to stay in our bondage. We don't want to be free. We just want to be heard. We want sympathizers in our pain, not a reason to get out of it. But God said, I came to bring freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom, the Bible says. And so he comes on the scene and at some point, hear me, you've got to let go of what's holding on to you so you can pursue what God wants to give you. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We've talked about the four steps of our church. Uh, and so at TC, uh, how we've gotten it wrong, I want to show you this. So uh, at TC, we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. They're gonna, I think they're going to throw it on the screen for us. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And these are the four steps of TC. And conveniently, I have four steps right here. So look at, look at that. It's crazy. So, uh, but here's, here's what we've mistakenly done in church circles. Are you ready? This is what we've done. Uh, because we know that God wants us to know him, we take the first step. And we're like, man, listen, I'm here. God, I, 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 I know you. And so for many of us, we've come to the first step of knowing God. And we've believed that because we know God, this is all there is. Anybody ever get caught in the hang on till the rapture comes mentality? Okay, that's first steppers. Like not first steppers in like a step team. Okay, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, you grew up in church where <laughs> it was a talent show every Sunday. Like what is going on? This is crazy. Anyway, if you know, you know. If you don't, don't worry about it. All right, so uh, many of us have gotten to the first step and we've believed that this is all God wants for me is just to set me free from sin and death so that I can be with him in heaven. Here's the problem. If you're only here, you don't realize that there's a whole lot of life that God wants you to live up here. And so what I want to talk to you about today, last week we talked about knowing God, and that got us to step one. But today I want to talk about this idea about finding freedom, which is step two. Now here's the thing that I want you to realize about step two. Is step two is not step one. But we've been convinced in church circles that when we go to step one, we should automatically get step two. So we go to church, we give our life to God, and we should automatically be free of all the stuff that's holding on to us. But hear me, step two is not step one. When you go to here, listen, you can't go, listen to me, you can't go to step two until you get step one. And some people have been coming to church not to get God, but to get enough from God to get free from the stuff in their past. And they're saying, I don't really want Jesus, I just want freedom. But you don't get freedom unless you start with Jesus. And, and then for many of us, we think that because we've gotten Jesus, we should automatically get freedom. But hear me, this is a different experience than this. And for many of you, you've been convinced that you're broken because you didn't get step two when you got step one. You've been convinced that 
God's not going to give you freedom because when you came to Jesus, I got all of Jesus instantly. Yeah, when you came to Jesus, you got saved. Jesus did the miraculous work in your life. He transformed you. He took sin and death and gave you victory and eternity in Christ. And now heaven is your destination. But hear me, listen to me today. You can go to heaven bound. And God's saying, I want you to experience freedom and forgiveness by knowing me. But now that you know me, I want you to experience freedom from your past. Today I want to talk to you about letting it go. Because just because you know God doesn't mean you know freedom. And God wants us to walk in freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say freedom. So let's go. We need to find freedom from our past, our hurts, and our hang-ups. And how do we do that? How do I start finding freedom? So for many of you are like, okay, I get it. I get it, Brad. We need freedom. I've known that for a while. How do I get there? Well, that's what we want to talk to you about for the next few minutes. We're going to give you a few things that I believe will help with that. See, the first thing we have to do if we're going to start finding true freedom is you got to find relationships that grow you up rather than slow you down. I'm going to say that again. you got to find relationships that are going to grow you up rather than slow you down. How many of y'all can think of at least one person right now you know is terrible for where you're going in your life, but you can't seem to stop calling them, texting them, and getting around them? And every time you do, you're like, man, why do I keep having this person in my life? Some of y'all are like, man, they got the same last name as me too. That's crazy. <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. I didn't know we were going to get that reaction. So... <laughs> How many of you guys can remember someone that last, made a lasting impression on you? Many of you can remember your favorite teacher. You can remember your favorite teacher, maybe from high school, middle school, whatever. My favorite teacher uh, was Mr. Holland. He was incredible, uh, amazing science teacher. Here's the thing. I can't remember everything he taught me, but what I can remember is how he made me feel about learning. And relationships are so important, not always for what they're going to give you, but oftentimes for what, how they're going to lead you. And, and for many of us, we've allowed relationships to come into our life that aren't benefiting us, but they're slowing us down. They're not growing us up. They're not challenging us. They're actually making things worse for us. And the thing is, is if we're going to find true freedom, the very first thing you're going to have to do out of the gate is you're going to have to start surrounding yourself with people that want freedom for you. It's not enough to want it for yourself you got to find people that want it for you. Because how many of you know you can want it today, but I may not want it tomorrow? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you are going through a season where you're like, I, I got the right to be mad today? And you're going to need somebody around you to be like, hey, shut your mouth. Y'all don't, don't have a shut your mouth person in your group? <laughs> like gotta, you need someone in your life to say, hey, listen, that's not the way you should be acting right. I know you're angry, but that's not how we are. I, I know you're frustrated, but you need to change that. And, and what we need is some people in our life that will hold us accountable and challenge us. And on the other side of things, we need some people in our life that will encourage us when we get low, not sympathize with us while we're there. It's like, no, 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 we need to come up from that. And so we, we have to surround ourselves. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, what is that word? Healed. And it goes on to say the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And what that means is we should come to each other, confess our sins to each other, not because necessarily we need forgiveness from each other, but we need someone to help us dealing with what's inside of us. You see, many of you and many of us, because I'm guilty of this as well, we treat our sin 
in our heart like a dark room and we've hidden our trauma, our pain, and our situations in this dark room of our heart that we have to go into occasionally and then we wonder why we keep tripping over it. The problem is you'll keep tripping over it in the dark until you let somebody else shine a light into it. So we got to shine a light into it, but hear me, that means we have to expose it. But you can't deal with what you're going through until you expose what you've gone through. And sometimes that can be difficult. So we need these relationships. Hear me, uh, I put this in your notes. We go to God for forgiveness, but we go to God's people for healing. We go to God for forgiveness. He's the only one that can forgive sins. But God has made it to where we have to go to his people for healing. And for many of us, we've only allowed God to be part of our healing process, and we wonder why we're not whole. And the thing is, God wants people to be part of your process. The thing is, you got to pick the right people. Come on, somebody. We all try picking the wrong ones, okay? Like, so... Someone like I don't need someone that's cussing in my passenger seat when the McFlurry machine is broken too. Okay, I mean like we need I need somebody I need encouragement right now. Okay, it's like man, let's just roll up in there. It's like whoa whoa whoa, calm down, calm down. I'll just take the McDouble. Okay, so Proverbs twenty seven nineteen in the Living Bible paraphrase it says it like this: A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. We've all heard the phrase, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's the reality for many of us when it comes to our relationships. So here's the question that I have for you. Are we pursuing relationships that challenge us towards true freedom? Or are we pursuing relationships that sympathize with us in our bondage? Because only one of them actually leads to freedom. You can have comfort in your bondage, or you can have discomfort in your freedom. And for many of us, we've grown comfortable in our bondage. This is just the way it's going to be, only if you want it to be that way. This is just, I'm just going to be bitter because of what happened to me. That's your choice. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And you don't have to stay there. Because freedom is available to you. The second thing you're going to have to do, we've kind of dabbled into it already, but you've got to get real. We've got to get real with what we're hiding. If you're going to be free, we've got to get real with what we're hiding. How many of you have ever said, like, done the I'm fine thing? Hey, how are you today? I'm fine. But you're not fine, are you? You're broken, hurt, crying. You cried the 30 minutes it took you to get here, but you got here and you're like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, girl. You're lying. Now, I'm not saying you need to walk into every room and be like, because, oh, like, you know, I mean, like, maybe that's not the space either. But you do need to have a room with some people that you can walk into and be the version of you that is actually in here. You need to deal with your pain. And we have to find the way that we're going to get free. See, transparency is the key to freedom. I'm going to say that again. Transparency is the key to freedom. Until you're real with what you're going through, you can't be real about getting rid of it. And so we gotta be real about it. One of the greatest ways we find ourselves trapped in a version of ourselves is by attempting to cover up our imperfections with dishonesty. 
We pretend it didn't hurt, so we never deal with what hurt us. Because if we acknowledge that it hurt us, we, make, we think it makes us look weak. Hear me, you can look weak for a short season to be strong for a long one, or you can stay weak for a long one pretending it didn't hurt. And so God shows up. You see, we lie about how we are and what we are. Hear me, because we don't like who we are. We lie about how we are and what we are because if we're being honest, we don't like who we are. And I want to give some of you permission for something. I really feel like God put this phrase in my heart for some of you right now, and I want you to hear it. And I just want you to look at me for a second, whether you're online, whether you're in the room. What you've done is not who you are. You don't have to be identified by what's behind you. God wants to give you a new identity for what's in front of you. What you've done is not who you are. So your greatest mess up, your greatest screw up, the greatest, the grand thing that you're like, whatever it is that got you that mugshot, what like, what whatever it is that you think has disqualified you from anything, hear me today. That's not who you are. That's just something you've done. And the beautiful part about the gospel is God came, Jesus came to take what we've done and make it to where it's not who we are. Your identity is new. When you come to Jesus, your identity has been made brand new. And so we come to it. And, and, and here's the beautiful part about this is we don't have to hide beside the, behind the facade of dishonesty now. Because it's not who we are, it's just something we've done. We don't have to lie about it anymore. We can actually deal with it. And once we start dealing with it, man, we can come to, to God. Because here's the reality. Nobody knows you like you know you. Am I right? Like nobody knows you better than you. But hear me, if you're going to get free, you've got to let somebody else know you the way you know you. Someone else has to know your dark secrets. Pastor Aaron James says it like this, and I've adopted this phrase for all the men I disciple. You got to have someone in your life that knows enough about you to destroy you, but loves you so much they won't. Because that's how you're pursuing true freedom. And so I remember growing up in Kentucky. I'll give you this story quickly. I remember growing up in Kentucky, and I, uh, my sister collected porcelain dolls. All right, looking back on that, that was the creepiest thing in the world, but we're here now. So uh, she collected porcelain dolls, had a whole slew of them, and some of them were worth a lot of money. And I was probably five years old at the time, and she had this set of three. It was like three twins in this porcelain doll set. The movie Chucky had not become real to me yet, so it didn't matter. So, uh, and I remember being in her room, and I was throwing a tennis ball in her room, and I accidentally hit one of the dolls, and it fell. And I think these things were worth like $10,000 or something. Like it was crazy. Like it was a collection thing, whatever. So girls can collect dolls, but I can't collect shoes. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's ridiculous. Anyway, so I just figured I'd plug that in. All right, so uh, I, I threw the ball, hit the doll, falls, and it breaks. And I remember like I was terrified because my dad had bought all these dolls like for her, like, you know, over time she had built this collection and I was terrified. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That gut wrenching, like, Oh, this is it. This is the end. You know what I mean? Like it's been real. We had a good run at it. You know, it's like, like, so I remember thinking that, uh, <laughs> and, and Ben, I, uh, I even went, uh, I went and laid down. I, I was talking to my sister and she was like, Oh yeah, dad, you're like, 
you know, I'm going to be an only child after this, you know, and so I was, uh, we were, we were there, and, and I remember I went and laid down in my bed, because I was like, maybe I can sleep through this, I don't know, like, what logic that was, you know, but I was like, I could sleep, like, I'll just go to sleep, you know, uh, and so I laid down, and and uh, tried to go to sleep, and, and while I was asleep, my sister had called my grandma, who had the same set of three. And while I was asleep, my grandma brought over the one that I had broke from her collection and took the broken one and replaced it. And so when my dad got home, he never knew until I think I made my sister mad one day. And he's like, well, guess what Brad did? You know what I mean? And so I was like, oh, E for everybody. You know what I'm talking about? So, um, and so I... But here's the beautiful part about this story. As I felt sick because I felt like what I had done was who I was. It wasn't that I had made a mistake. It was that I was a mistake. And hear me, when God comes on the scene, he takes the thing in you that makes you feel like you are a mistake. And he shows you that the things that you've done wrong are just mistakes you've made. It's not the mistake that you are. And here's a beautiful thing, just like my grandmother he replaces the broken parts with whole parts. But it's only found in God and the relationships that God brings. We've got to be real with ourselves. And Genesis 3, we see Adam and Eve, they deal with this. It's crazy because uh, when they're in the garden, they commit the first sin. They, she eats the fruit and gives it to Adam. And like, all right. So he eats it too. And they realize they're naked, and, and God actually comes looking for them in Genesis 3, verse 8. And it says, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord uh, among the trees of the garden. Because what Adam and Eve thought, they didn't say, I've done something wrong. They identified with their sin that they were something wrong. And it caused them to hide. And hear me. As long as you're hiding it, you're not dealing with it. And we actually have to deal with it. I love the quote that I've heard from a few different people. Because God knows our imperfections. He just wants honesty. And, and hear me, you're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. So whatever it is you've got inside of you, as long as you keep that to just yourself, it's going to hold you down. But you're only as sick as your secrets. And then the next one, and this is probably the one that's the hardest for some people. Because when it comes to those that hurt you, you've got to decide your freedom is better than your revenge. You've got to decide that your freedom is better than your revenge. That being free from the pain is better than getting revenge for the pain. Because I want you to acknowledge something for just a second. There is no revenge that will make you feel better about what they did to you. There's not one. Now, some of us will be like, it might make me feel a little better, though. You know what I mean? Like, I think I'll rock with that. The reality is there's no revenge that will make you feel better. I remember I was uh, uh, in my pool with my niece when she was just learning how to swim. And she had just got a new beach ball. And so uh, I grabbed the beach ball real quick and I sat on it, 
but in the pool. So I like pushed it underwater. You know what I'm talking about? So I was like, how many of you ever try to do that balancing act? You know what I mean? Like, you're all like, whoop, 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 whoop. And so I was, I was doing that. And she's like, where's the beach ball? And I was like, oh, it's crazy. It disappeared, you know? Like, must have went over the fence. And so she gets out of the pool. She's like, my niece is looking over in a seven-foot fence. You know what I mean? She's like, I can't see it. I'm like, well, that, yeah, no, you can't. Trust me. And so, uh. I was sitting there, and she got back in the pool after she got done crying, uh, and she was there, and then, like, I lost my balance. How many of y'all know that bad boy came rocketing out of the water? You know, like, whoosh. Uh, And she was like, there it is. You had it the whole time. Uh, And so, but here's what I think some of us are doing with our pain and our trauma. We're trying to hold it underwater like a beach ball that's been inflated. No, 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 it's good. It's not a problem. It's not a problem until it is. And hear me, you can hold that beach ball underwater as long as you want. But at some point, you're going to lose focus. At some point, it's going to catch you off guard. And at some point, it's coming out of that water. And it's coming to the surface. And hear me, you're going to have to deal with it. And I believe that when it comes to freedom in our lives, it's better to deal with it on our terms than it deal with us on its terms. Because when it deals with us, it ruins everything it touches. Matter of fact, we literally put that in some of your notes. But when we say what you're holding down or holding in will eventually show up. So you can deal with it or it will deal with you. And the problem is if it has to deal with us, it won't just deal with you, but it will deal with everything you touch. Your marriage, your career, your schooling. If you let it surface on its terms, it'll destroy everything on the surface with you. And so we have to deal with this pain that we're, we've got in our lives. I had some slides that I wanted to show you. They're going to throw it up on the screen. Some of you may have seen this before. Um, but uh, if you haven't, I, I wanted to show this to you because I feel like some, this is what some of us are dealing with when it comes to pain and trauma. Uh, is uh, There's the ball in the box analogy. And the box is your life. And at some point, somebody put something in your box that was painful, a traumatic experience, the environment you were raised in, something. And, there's, and I want you to imagine that that pain is a button. And here's what some of us are dealing with in our life is the ball is our emotions that move around in our life. And every so often, what happens? The ball hits the button. And our life keeps that ball contained. And so as the ball moves around, how many of you guys have ever been driving before and out of nowhere, what happened to you 10 years ago catches right back up to you and you're crying all over again? Guess what happened? The ball hit the button. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It just happens because the ball is always moving inside the box. Now, for some of us, what we've been able to do is we've been able to maybe have a counselor. We've been able to talk with someone. We brought good relationships into our life. And so what's happened, we go to the next slide, is it makes the ball smaller inside of the box. Well, guess what it means? It, that means it hits the button less often. So how many of you guys will acknowledge you've been through something that the first six months after going through it, it's almost like once a day you're dealing with it. But, but as time goes on, as relationships come into your life, Maybe it's once a week now or once a month. And all of a sudden, but before you know it, how many guys know, out of nowhere it shows back up again. And it hurts the same way it hurt when it happened. And all of a sudden the tears flow and it gets incredibly hard. And 
And, and this is a great analogy of what can happen in your life when you bring relationships in. Because as we get relationships into our life, the ball gets smaller. Well, guess what that means? That means the pain button gets hit less often. And hear me, we need that. Can I get an amen on that? Like how many, like we, oh, I need to think about this less. I need this to affect me less. But here's what forgiveness does. Go ahead, guys, with the next slide. It just takes away the box. It takes away the wall that our emotions have to bounce back off of to hit the button again. Now, here's what's important. I'm not telling you that the pain is gone. I'm telling you the things in your life that keep it contained is gone. It happened. You got the emotional scars to prove it. It hurt, and what you went through was real, and that pain will never go away. But what you can do is take away the part of it that's containing it so that you have to keep dealing with it. And now the ball, your emotions, God can have in an infinite space of healing so that your pain doesn't have to be something that you keep running into. And that's what God wants for us, that we would find true and genuine healing. Again, I'm going to give the quote to you that I gave to you a second ago. What you're holding down or holding in will eventually show up like the box. So you can deal with it or it can deal with you. But we need true and genuine freedom. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, get rid of. Notice it didn't say, like, it never happened. Pretend it's not there. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So how do we do that? Right? That's the big question. How do we get free? Some of you are like, I know, Brad, I get it. All right, so let's get free. I wanted to give you this, how to pursue freedom. All right, so how to pursue freedom. Freedom. I'm going to jump around on the team with us and jump straight to this list. How do we pursue freedom? I want to give these to you. First, you've got to invite God into it. You've got to invite God into your pain. And here's the thing. There's a difference between bringing it to God and bringing God into it. I'm going to say that again because I know some of you are writing. There's a big difference between bringing it to God and bringing God into it. When we bring it to God, we're just hoping he'll do something with it. But when we bring God into it, here's what's happening is we're letting God look around at it and say, yes, I can handle this. He steps into our room, into our pain, into our trauma, into our hurts, into the deepest and darkest parts of our life. He steps into our heart, into those dark rooms where we've turned the lights off. He, he steps into those places and hear me, he looks around and he shows you that, hey, this thing right here, it's nothing that I can't handle. There's a difference between bringing it to God and hoping it works out well and bringing God into it and letting him show you that he's got this under control. And so God shows up on the scene by bringing God into it. We're experiencing this vulnerability with God who already knows it. Hear me, God already knows what happened to you. He's well aware of what you've gone through. And so we're saying, come in, God, look around. And how many of you guys will acknowledge me? We're saying, it's a mess in here. Like, I don't know if you've ever had someone come clean your house before. If you have, you probably apologize to them first. Like, hey, listen, I'm really sorry about this, but 
It's kind of a mess in here. And some of us feel like we have to do that with God. Hey, God, (laughs) it's a mess in here. I know I should have let that thing go from a decade ago, but I, 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 I don't know if I can. And for many of you, you've tried bringing it to God. But here's the question I have for you. Have you tried bringing God into it? To bring in God and say, God, I'm not going to pretend this wasn't ugly. I'm not going to pretend that this didn't hurt. And I'm not going to pretend that everything's okay. It's not. And I know it's a mess in here, but I would really like for you to be in here with me. Because real freedom is only found in you. We bring God into it. And then we find a tribe. We find a tribe. A group of people that's like, this is my place to belong. These are the people that I'm going to trust. This is where I can connect with people. And one of the best places to do that is in a TC group. If you haven't gotten into a TC group, they launched the first week of May, sign up for five. All right. But you can start building some relationships where you can find a tribe of people that will help complete what God is starting. Because we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to God's people for healing. So we find a tribe. Next, we trust someone with it you got to trust someone with your pain. Find a person in your group. The first week of your group, you're not going to tell everyone all your struggles. Find one person that you start building a relationship with that eventually you can say, I'm going to trust this person with what I've gone through. Next, you got to let God have it. For many of us, we tie a string to the things we give to God and say, I don't want this anymore, but then we carry it away with us. And we've got to let God have it. Next, we've got to establish healthy boundaries. There are some people you need to cut out of your life until you're healed enough to be able to minister to them through their struggles. But until you're whole, you can't help someone else get whole. Until your ship has stopped sinking, you can't possibly stop someone else's. So we got to establish healthy boundaries and this is probably the hardest part, the one I'm going to give you right now. You got to choose to be free daily. It's not just choosing to be free, it's choosing to be free daily. Every day. God, I'm giving this to you. You wake up the next day. God, I'm giving this to you. The day that you wake up and the ball has hit the pain button. God, I'm giving this to you. And it's a consistent choosing of, hear me, pursuing God for freedom and letting the people that hurt you go. Without revenge, without payment, and listen, without even an apology. Because when you let them go, you're not doing that for them, you're doing it for you. Forgiving people is not about them. It's about you. As long as you're holding on to the bitterness in your heart for what they did to you, you're the puppet and they're the master. And they can pull on that string whenever they want you to to get you to do whatever they want you to do. 
You can be having the best day in the world and if they wanna send you a text message, they can ruin your day. Because forgiveness isn't about them, forgiveness is about you. And letting them go lets you go of the pain, lets you go of the trauma, and it lets you go of the emotional baggage that you've been carrying around this whole time. So you gotta choose to be free. Say that last word though with me, daily, every day. Gotta wake up, I'm gonna choose not to hate that person. I'm gonna choose not to hate that person. Because, well, I, and I, I wanted to put this in front of you. In Luke 4.18, they don't have to put it on the screen, but in Luke 4.18, Jesus talks about what he came for. Actually, yeah, let's just do it. Why not? Luke 4.18 through 19, in Isaiah, this prophecy came forth, and Jesus actually comes on the scene, and he says it, but he says that I'm the one that's here to fulfill it, okay? So he comes on the scene, and, and Jesus reads this again, And he says, God's spirit is on me. This is the message paraphrase for clarity. He's chosen me to preach preach the message of good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. Now, here's what I want you to get you, this last part. Jesus has come to set the burdened and battered free. To announce this is God's time to shine. He's here to let you shine and, and letting it go for some of you is gonna mean letting them go. Letting it go is, for some of you is gonna mean letting them go. Who are they? Whoever's got you here. But the beauty is we can come to God to let go of what hurt us. But hear me, if we don't let go of what hurt us, we can't accept what can help heal us. As long as you're holding on to what's behind you, you can never open your hands to what's in front of you. Let's grab a hold of the freedom that Jesus has made available to us because we serve an amazing God who wants a beautiful free life for you to live and watch him do something amazing in your life. Can I get an amen on that church? Let's pray today. God, we just thank you. We thank you that true freedom is found in you, Jesus. God, I pray right now for every person that can hear my voice, whether they're in a bedroom, at a coffee shop, or right here in this room. You have called them to let go of the things and the people that are behind them and pursue true and genuine freedom. So God, I pray right now, you set captives free. You set the bound and the bondaged free and that freedom that comes from Jesus Christ, from the Spirit of God, is brought into our lives and with absolute certainty, we make the choice to let it go and pursue you. God, I pray right now for those 
who need to let go of revenge so they can grab a hold of healing. For some of you, that's you. I'm talking to you right now. God's doing a work in your heart. And I want to pray for you right now. God, actually, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, God, help me let go. Now say, God, I'm giving this to you. No strings attached. Freedom. For me, freedom. For my family, freedom. For my future. If you're here today and you want Jesus in your life, today you know your sin separates you from God like it has all of us. Today you want forgiveness and today you want a fresh start. I'm here to tell you he's ready to meet you right where you're at. And I want to pray with you right now. If you want Jesus to wipe away your sins, give you a clean slate and let you know him, truly know him. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church is going to pray it with you this time. And by putting our faith in Christ, he is forgiving us of our sins and giving us a clean slate. So church, let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. I give you my life. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you've given me a fresh start. So I give you all of me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that. Perhaps the first time. Amazing, amazing, amazing.